Welcome to Success with Style, everyone. I am Rob Giardinelli. Hi, everyone. I'm Lance Avery Morgan, and we are here with Melanie Benjamin, who is an authoress. Let's bring that word back, shall we? A female author, an authoress of many, many best-selling books. Welcome, Melanie. We're so excited to have you here. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Now I feel like so you should call me Charlotte Bronte or something. That's an author. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> I never used that word before. Oh, okay. I feel very Victorian. <laughs> is Charlotte Bronte one of your favorite authors? Uh, Authoresses? I, authoresses, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the Brontes. They're, you know, I think, and I also think their lives were just so fascinating. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. What's so great about your books that I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know is that I think you're an old soul mm. I think you are a really old soul you have this mm -hmm. incredible way of capturing the past like no other author so tell us about are you an old soul and why you love writing about the past so much because you really do it so beautifully well thank you and you know I suppose I am I, I am certainly I think of I would have been happier in other eras. I'm certainly yeah. fascinated by so many periods of time in the past. And, you know, when I grew up, I was a history nerd and a museum junkie. Yeah. We used to have a living history farm near where I grew up, oh. a museum um, in Indianapolis called Con Connor Prairie Farm. And we always okay. had to go there. Every third and fourth grade class had to go there for field trips. And I, I was so, I mean, I remember being so fascinated by it and really wanting to imagine myself living you know, in the rooms and using right. the implements and the tools and right. spinning my own yarn and all that stuff. I mean, to the point where I, then I would just uh, concoct these elaborate fantasies of where I was living in the past. Great background uh, for a writer. I know. It really, it I didn't is. know it at the time. But yeah. So yeah. No, I think that's a really good way to describe me. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I don't think I had the wisdom of an old soul, though. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you create it with your books. I think you're creating that wisdom right. as you go, right? Suppose, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. You explore things and you learn things and you try to sum up things in a pithy, wise way. And sure, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an ever-evolving learning experience for me. Right. Yeah. And what's so great is that we are beaming here live from the McNay Art Museum in San Antonio, mm -hmm. which is a stellar, stellar place to be located. And you're speaking here today about your your one of your latest books. You have so many. I know, six now. <laughs> six, six books. That's a lot. In, that is a lot nine of creativity. Years, six oh books. God. That's a lot of books. No, it Just is. Just a period of time. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a miracle I'm walking upright. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've, in your most, in, in, a, in the book that you're here to, to share at the luncheon about is the Swans of Fifth Avenue, mm -hmm. which is a really robust subject given the way women were not too long ago mm -hmm. and how they are now. It's a little bit different. Sure. What did you learn about them? Oh, wow. You know, that, to me, there's so many ways to look at that book, and I, I, I intended right. it that way. I mean, to me, it's a book about whose stories are ours to tell. It's a book about loyalty and friendship, but it's also a book about how the rich and famous are not so happy, right? right. You know, wealth does not buy happiness. Youth and beauty is fleeting. True. And when your entire self-worth has been based on your value as a decorative woman, right. which was certainly the case mm -hmm. of right. many of the swans of Fifth Avenue that I write about, you know, how tragic that is, yes. how mm -hmm. sad that is, particularly mm -hmm. then there's a, a moment in the book um, when you see the daughters of these women now coming up and being the darlings. And, and again, how sad that that is. So wealth and um, beauty, it doesn't buy lasting happiness. Right. Yeah. right. yeah, it doesn't. And, you know, I often like to say, you know, especially, you know, we navigate quite a few ballrooms ourselves. Mm -hmm. it, I always look to see if spouses are friends. Do ah. they like each other? How do because you tell? Because 
how often are they together? Uh-huh. Do they come and go separately? Because uh-huh. that happens sometimes. Do they, you know, sit at their table together for two minutes and then both of them are up doing separate things uh-huh. and they're really not even at their table? There's lots of different ways that you can really kind of tell who does and doesn't like one another. And it, that's something that's interesting because between then, the book is set in like the 50s and early 60s. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous and now, era. there's still marriages that are more just business deals, right? Yep. Yeah, the business transactions. Yeah, business transactions. Yeah. Then and now. So some things haven't changed. Yeah. And one thing that we have seen, and I've seen certainly across the country and here in Texas, is that, is that when there's a financial recession, mm-hmm. there is a marriage recession. You mean it, divorces? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It affects those. Sure. A lot of them that are financial transactions, and if the financial right. component goes awry, on. then then one party is going yeah. to say, "This is not the deal I signed up for." Exactly. exactly. Or it's yeah. a deal I signed up for, <laughs> but with a lot more glimmer and glamour <laughs> and you know diamonds, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So I've read tons about the swans, you know, that Truman Capote called the swans, mm-hmm. and that you have you have incorporated into your title. I think it's so fascinating that these women, they weren't dumb, right? No. They were beautiful. They were great conversationalists. They were well educated, usually. Yes. 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 Even if self educated. I mean, and for that time. And for know, that I mean, time, we're not especially. talking about finishing schools. Finishing schools, right. Right. porters, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss Porters, absolutely. And so, but they had to be extraordinary to win the hearts of these men because um, these men were extraordinary to whom sure. they were married, these, right? These were guys, these were um, Wolves of Wall Street, right? right. You right. know, yeah. the power brokers of the time. I mean, Bill Paley right. ran a media empire and had the ear of presidents right um, shaped culture yeah. Um, yeah these men needed beautiful women certainly but they also needed women who could aid their careers mm-hmm. yes in a lot of different ways and these right. were women who could do that sure. I mean I think Gloria Guinness oh, yeah. as an example who um, married more than once but I mean mm-hmm. she certainly I think she was very much an asset um, you know society wise and business wise mm-hmm. and I think slim um, Slim Aaron's. Slim, she uh, kept marrying no, well. Not Slim Aaron's. I'm sorry, Slim, Slim Keith. Slim Hawk. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> yeah, uh, all of her uh, names. Sorry. Hayward. Hayward. Yes. Hayward. Slim I'm Hayward. looking at the cover of this she issue, and this is a Slim Aaron's photo. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so she was married, but I mean, she was very, very smart. I think when yeah. she was married to Leland Hayward, and <laughs> yes. he, you know, she was, I, you know, instrumental in having him do South Pacific on Broadway. You know, mm-hmm. he trusted her taste he actually she actually kind of discovered montgomery cliff back yep. when she was married to howard hawks That's and right. told him this right. young man should be in a movie called red river yeah. i mean so she certainly brought a lot right. more to the table right. than being merely decorative and right. babe paley as well absolutely mm-hmm. you had mentioned sort of the journey of these ladies i remember reading in one of babe paley's autobiographies or i think it was about the cushing sisters the, the, the three the, the called three, the sisters the sisters right? yeah about how until the day she died she would have her hair blown out i know by, yeah. by, by Mr. Kenneth. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. it just, I mean, it was all about the facade. That was really interesting me, to me to explore about Babe because yeah. that is one of the things that right. everyone noted about her. How she, she, I mean, she slept with her makeup on mm-hmm. so that Bill, she had her night makeup and her day makeup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you've seen the marvelous Mrs. May, yes. of course. Those that early scene. scenes yes. when they get up and they go to sleep with the makeup on and right. then they get up first thing in the morning right. and put it on before the husband awakes. I mean, that was Babe to, a degree she took it to agree that degree that most of these women didn't even and um i then real remembered reading about the horrible car accident she was in that that required a lot of extensive very painful Mm -hmm. plastic surgery Mm -hmm. back in the 30s when that wasn't really experimental right yeah and i 
decided in my novel, because this is what I get to do as a, a novelist, is I think these two things are tied together. This obsession mm -hmm. with perfection, right. with the makeup, with the hair. I mean, even on her deathbed, yeah. she had her face made up. Right. You know, this had to have been tied to, there were physical scarves. Right. There mm -hmm. had to have been. There's yeah. no way right. there right. were not And the emotional scarves. scarves and then the emotional that, right? scarves. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she had been the most beautiful of the three sisters prior to the mm -hmm. car accident. Right. And, I mean, that was what made her special in this family, right. Right? right? So I just thought, well, this has got to be tied together, this yeah. obsession with the mask, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, truly a mask. A mask. That, that's yeah. the best word for it. Well, yeah. what's fascinating to me is that, you know, that was also in a world where women cared about themselves a little bit differently, right? That's true, and you know, that's what I like about that yeah. world. And uh, the, near the end of the book, we have a little moment between Slim and Bill Paley at the very mm -hmm. end, and they mm -hmm. talk, the world has changed, we're into right. the, the, like it's like the late 70s, early 80s right. by then, and New York is different, and the people on the street, is they're different. Right. And mm. I like Truman, because mm -hmm. I think what these women loved about Truman is that he saw the effort they put into yeah. their their bodies themselves were works of art. Yes, yes, you know, absolutely. And they respected themselves, they respected the world. Yes, there's vanity wrapped up in that, sure. but there's also, I just think, a decorum, and a style, and mm -hmm. it's lovely, and I miss that in the world. I really, really do. Well, all you I, have to do is read Society Texas Magazine, and you'll recapture well, it. Well, yes, but I mean, yeah. you know what I'm talking but about. it's right. Oh, yes, right. and I want to read this on the plane. I can't wait to read <laughs> it. Society Texas. <laughs> uh, but when you go to the movie theater, when you yeah. go out to dinner, when you're right. on an airplane, People are wearing yoga pants. And, yes. You know, yoga pants? That's so kind, Melanie. You mean PJs? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's really kind. I wear those too, but that's I wear elevated. Them, I wear those too, but I wear them inside my house. Gotcha. Right. Exactly. My riding clothes. Exactly. But, uh, but when I'm out in the world, you know, doing my author thing, I take right. a lot of care in yeah. the way I present myself. And, right. you know, there are some authors who don't do that so much. Right. It's just society as a whole. We've gotten so casual. We've gotten so messy. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I, I miss Amen, the sister. Days. I'm with you. I miss... I miss the days when you would dress for dinner. You yeah. know, I right. I think that the world was it might not have been so nice underneath the surface, but at least the surface. Right. You know, it's funny yeah. you mentioned yeah. that because you had mentioned our office is the ballroom. So most people know us in black tie only. Uh, so when they see I, us. Might I, might I say you two look just oh, so oh, go on and natty. Oh, and you're I love so the pocket sweet. squares Aww. and the ties. You're you, very kind. I, you guys look oh, great. Oh, thank you. I <laughs> you're appreciate very sweet. That. Very sweet. This is, you know, this is a Wednesday morning, right? I know. You know? I, this is what you wear every Wednesday morning. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. Exactly. But one, one thing about that is um, that it is a different world. And I don't know if you saw, and I'm going to date this podcast a little bit, but All in the Family was just reinterpreted you on, mean, you on mean, ABC last On ABC. Night. Right. No, all no. In the family. I've been on the road. I didn't. They, I didn't all in the family TV. and the Jeffersons. And the Jeffersons. They did like they did it with like act, popular actors from today, but they recreated them. You've got to see it. What? Wait, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Was so this on network TV? Yeah, it was on ABC, ABC last ABC night. ABC last no. night. Yeah, it's a project with oh uh, Norman Lear and Jimmy Lear, Kimmel. who is still alive. My gosh, I know, bless he's so the man. Cool. I know. Um, I didn't know that. So you got to check that online or streaming and see how the world then. Because mm. they want to go back no, and live in that world, right? They didn't adjust a single word of dialogue, right. so it's the exact dialogue yes. from the mid '70s. Because no, both episodes no, were look, from that. Kind of painful. I'm not longing, as some people in this country seem to be, to go back to the values of the '50s. Exactly. Not at all. Right. I'm right. just talking the about style, the clothes. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm talking about. Well, and I think that's a part of the success of the miraculous Mrs. Maisel, or the marvelous Mrs. It's Maisel. The clothing. It's all yeah. about oh, the clothes and, and right. the style and the hair and the. I mean, just you know, of course, we all know it's fiction. You know, it's stylized. You know, 
know, I don't. But her running around Manhattan yeah. doing all and her, her Jacques stuff. Fast creation. Yes, I mean, you and know. the heels and the matching course, handbags, the gloves. I love. Oh, I wish gloves came back and hats. I know. Now, I was your mom too. stylish? Is your mom stylish? No, grandmother. Bless her heart. No, okay. no. My I come from very, very humble beginnings. Um, very, very blue collar is probably charitable the way to describe my mom's okay. and my dad's okay. upbringing. Yeah, blue collar, but definitely by the time we got along. So no. Okay. Um, no, my mother had some. She had al- alopecia, uh-huh. so she always had to wear wigs, and gotcha. she was just not very confident in. Understood. And so I kind of. I learned whatever little I have, and I am kind of a s- obsessed with style. I really, really am. I may not look like it all the time, but I am. Yeah. But I learned that I, I was in theater very young uh-huh. okay. and um, started reading The New Yorker really young. Uh, okay. I don't Amen. know why or how yes. I got I had my hands on that. Probably from the library, because you're a library okay. yeah, Indianapolis, right. Indiana. Yeah. That had to have been where I started reading it, and I was just obsessed yeah. with you know, New York and then the style. Right. And I've always been a great fashion magazine mm-hmm. girl, and I love oh, some fashion websites like uh Go fuck yourself. Sure. Tom yeah. Lorenzo. I right. love those good those I I, I watch those are fun. I look at them every day. Yeah. So so thinking about style, who are some of your style icons then? Like in, in terms of when you do read magazines, just past, present, like future. Past, present and future. I mean, gosh, who doesn't love Kate Blanchett mm. right now? Oh, I'm sorry. Gosh. She's so just chic. she is so chic. Yeah. I just yeah, I think she has to be it right now. Mm-hmm. Um Past, I mean, yeah, I mean, Babe Paley and Slim, Your swans. Slim yeah. Keith, yeah, the, swans, the swans, yeah. 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 You, you can't get better than that, right? Absolutely. I do love the 50s styles, mm-hmm. like Christian Dior and the new look and all that. Right. Um, so some of those models whose names are escaping me right now, who you would... Well, Susie Parker is a Texan. Parker, We've done lots yeah, of Susie pieces Parker, on her. Yeah, from San Antonio. Her. She's from here. Yeah, I love yeah. her in that movie, The Best of Everything. Uh, I yes. love that movie. I do too. For the fashions. It's on permanent DVD. I know. I yes. mean, those 50s movies, like the, the Douglas Sirk movies. Yes, of course. Oh, There's some great gosh. books on that, too. Oh, on yeah? On Douglas Sirk. Is oh, there? yeah. Oh, are there? I need and to his, get some. his style... His inimitable style creation. Oh, yeah. You'd oh my love gosh. it. Yeah. I love his movies. The yeah. looks of his movies. Right. Imitation of Life, Imi- All That Heaven Allows, yeah, all yeah. of those. Oh, yeah. I love those. Yes, st- yeah, I'm going to have to get that. So, yeah, those right. kind of things I, 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 I find very iconic. Yeah. So, go, you know, kind of going going back to, you know, kind of your earlier life, you know, what was the first dollar you ever made? Because I'm curious to know how you got from the first dollar you ever made to writing about... To these millions of dollars today, okay. being an author. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, Bernie Sanders did us all a little bit of a disservice. Yeah, I wrote a bestseller. Of course I'm a millionaire. Ha, ha, ha. Ain't true, folks. Ain't oh, true. that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, Bernie. Uh, the first dollar I ever made... Um, my father had an appliance store in Indianapolis, okay. Indiana, and I would sometimes work there. I, just, I worked there in high school, um, so that might have been it. Or I also, I think my first real, real job was at Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. I really? Was, yeah, I worked behind the counter in a horrible, oh, I remember this so much, horrible brown polyester Uniform, you know that oh, horrible. Yes. It was pants double and knit, yes. double knit, yeah. and in with the, the long jacket, longer sort of tunic style, lo- tunic top. style yeah. over the like bell bottom like pants, uh-huh. right? Because I'm, I'm older, so hot, Melanie. Um, so that was like in like '79. Cool, and it and then the the grease. In because yeah. it was a uh, Arthur Treacher's fish and chips and everything was deep fried big time. Right. The, so you can just imagine <laughs> what my skin and my hair looked like wow. when I was 16 years oh old. Gosh. Oh my gosh! So that probably. But what did it, that, what did those teach you of working with the public and getting to know sort of 
the people who would read your books, for instance. It taught me that I'd rather work alone and never have to talk to people. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> no, I yeah. mean, look, the interesting part about being an author, especially an author today, is you have to, I mean, I love to go home and get in my writing clothes, mm -hmm. yoga pants, your pajamas, Dior. whatever. Uh -huh. yeah, I'm a your Dior, Dior writing yeah. outfit. Your Dior writing outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Dior yoga is what I'm yeah, call it. Yeah, Dior yoga. And just hold myself away from the world, you know, wall up the outside world, not talk yeah. to anybody for weeks, days and days on end while I'm living in the world I'm created mm -hmm. in my head and that I'm going to then put forth on the page. Mm -hmm. The the introspection, the mm -hmm. hermit-like, um, that's a very, that's why I'm a writer. Okay. Now, the other part of the life is this, right? So once you have a book in the world, um, part of being a working writer today, I you know, to promote those books and, and you know, bring them to the publics. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we don't read the way we used to as a society. Right, so books are a little bit harder to sell yeah. these days. So you really have to put a lot of effort sure. into them. Is this, we, you know, getting out, going out. I love the dressing up part mm -hmm. and, and talking to folks and, and meeting readers. It's always right. so rewarding. And fortunately, I think I'm a little bit of a schizo here. I do have both of those. I have a apparently outgoing bubbly personality when I'm out on the road and then when I get home I don't talk to anyone for a week okay. you know so yeah, it's right. like both parts of it yeah. are very so but what those earlier jobs taught me right. is that I, I, I'm very fortunate that I get to live in my head as much as I do. Gotcha. That I get to, I don't have to engage with the world every single day uh, at a desk job. I know I'm the most lucky person in the world. I do work hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of I, course. I have certain relatives when in my life. When you work for yourself, you work a lot harder. I, yeah. I have certain people in my life who don't think I actually work. Oh, gosh. Um, but I work really hard. Oh, you do. And you work a lot of hours, and you're sometimes writing until 4 a.m. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's not punch in, punch no, out. No, no. It kind of spills yeah. over. You yeah. suddenly you don't have a weekend anymore. Yep. But the but I don't. I'm not punching a time card. I'm not yeah. having leaving the house every day at 7:30. Right. So f to the outside world, sometimes it doesn't appear as if right. you know we work that hard. But we do. It's just in a different way. And a lot of people don't understand what it's like the process of writing a book, mm -hmm. and how personalized it is, and how much really does go into oh, it. Absolutely. So how could they? realize that you they know they just see the finished product mm -hmm. and yeah, um, right. you know and they, they just say well I've, i could do that like yeah. they see a beautiful painting i could do that well then go do that <laughs> go then do go that. write that book yeah. go do that painting it drives I, me crazy when i'm on airplane i have to say so many i, I doesn't i think everyone say oh i always wanted i always said i could write a book right. or i always right. wanted yeah. to retire and write a book and be rich and famous it's like yeah no um one time my sons actually asked me what how uh, you know not they know that i work but they were kind of right. asking me to describe it it's like writing a really long book report every single day of your life. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't like doing that yeah, right. back in the school days, if the, w the thing you hated the most yep. was sitting down and writing that essay or theme or mm -hmm. book report, then you can't be a writer. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And the discipline that goes with yes. that. I yes. mean, some of the best books on this planet have not been written and will never be written. Right. Everyone the has an idea. Ideas, yeah. are e yeah. ideas right. come by the dozen, right? I they mean, do. It's the then once you have the idea, the discipline to sit down and write a hundred thousand words, right. and then cut a lot of those words and replace them with better words, yeah. and spend many years. You know, most people take you know a year or two to write a book. Right. I, mm -hmm. I'm a little quicker, or a little quicker than that, Great. but still, it's very intense right. when I'm doing it. Um, yeah, if you if you don't think you can do that, what's your yeah. process like? Do you sit down at seven a.m. and you think I'm gonna write? 
10,000 words today <laughs> or, or 3,500 or how do you do that? Well, um, what's your process? My process is like this and then, then I'll have to explain how it's not like this. It is <laughs> <laughs> um, once I decide on a topic of a book and you know, honestly, that's the hardest part yeah. mm -hmm. is finding that spark of mm -hmm. an idea mm -hmm. um, in a, a particular genre of historical fiction that is now getting very, very crowded. Like when mm -hmm. I first started writing, yeah about these novels about real people right. uh, there weren't many of us doing it and mm -hmm. it yeah. became very popular and now every f author is seemingly doing this right. so i'm at a point in my life where it's 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 a little trickier to find that right subject and then maybe yeah. i'm gonna have to pivot a bit you okay. know so i'm always thinking about that yeah um, and that takes a while sure and mm. i have a publisher on board and they all have to sign right. off on right. it before i sit down and write then i do the research mm -hmm. Generally, I'm writing about things I already have some knowledge of. I mm -hmm. mean, I've okay. always loved the 1950s, and I knew these people in the Swans of Fifth Avenue right, and Truman right. Capote. So the research I had to do was not as intense as you would think, although, yes, I did go to New York, and, mm -hmm. you know, I went into the plaza, I had tea at the St. Regis, and, you know, yeah. parts of Research. The, yeah, yeah. Parts of the New York of the 50s are still right. there, not oh, yeah. all of it. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I sit down and I write. And I don't start writing, though, until I have the book fairly mapped out in my head. Mm -hmm. okay. I know where it's going to begin, but that's not okay. always the beginning of the story. Okay. Right. I know where it's going to end. Again, okay. not always the end of a life, right? I know most of the major e life events of these people Got that it. I'm going to hit along the way. Like, okay. I always knew the black and white ball that sure, Truman right. threw in 65 right. was going to be a very yes. high, yeah. very a highlight of this book, and a lot of things were going to happen in that scene. Yeah. So right. I knew that. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it takes me a while to play with how am I going to tell the story? Is it going to be right. third person? Is it going to be first mm -hmm. person? Is it going to be alternating points of view? Yeah. Sometimes that takes a, a bit of time to work out. But once all of that stuff has been worked out, I sit down every day. I'm not a morning person, which is what kills me when I'm on tour. It's wow. like, you know, you have those 6 a.m. flights and I'm sure. like, oh, my gosh. Uh. Um, but after I'm done checking all my gossipy fashion websites, right, <laughs> right, yeah, I sit down I, and I write two thousand words every day. Okay, okay. So you're committed to yeah. two thousand words. Two thousand words is yeah, very doable great. for me. It doesn't take long. Yeah. And I have learned that if most of the time, if I go beyond two thousand words, especially in the beginning, then they're not good words, you yeah. know. Right. Now there's always a point near the end of the book where it's like you see the light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. and you just want to get to it. Mm -hmm. I will. The output will increase, okay. and those those like. It's pretty disciplined when I write my 2,000 words every day early in the book. Then I get to go out and I get to work out right. and I live my life, you know. Sure. Right. But, like, near the end of the book, there is a very intense I'll time bet. for me okay. where I'm just, you know, crazy woman with the ratty hair and I never come up for air and I'm just writing, writing, writing to get to the end. Yeah. Okay. But then I, I have learned that's not the end. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, then I let the manuscript sit for a week or two. Mm -hmm. I don't look at it. I don't think, mm. I try not to think about it. I try not to look at it. Then I go back and reread it and start revising. Mm -hmm. And for me, the revision period has, for the most part, been the most creative period for oh, me. Right. Okay. That's, I'm not really fussing with the words when I'm writing that first draft. Right. I'm just trying to tell that story. Yeah, get it I'm on not, paper. Yeah, yeah, I'm not being profound. I'm not playing with the language. Mm -hmm. I'm just right. getting it on paper. When I go back and revise, that's when I start to get creative, I hope, yeah. playing with language a bit, inserting some of the, the imagery, I hope, is going to be really captivating. That's in the revision period. Now, do you, do you find that the creative process is the most challenging process for you in, in terms of writing the book? Is, is that phase the most challenging phase? Because no. some people, creativity can sometimes equal challenging no. for output. So. For me, the hardest part has been, is it recently, has is, is still 
getting the right subject okay and figuring out how to tell it in the right way okay and that that's a thing i just living it and you know, i have to think over mull okay. over a yeah. lot before i sit down and write but the actual just sitting down and write mm-hmm. no that's very easy for me i don't mm-hmm. believe in writer's block yeah okay. i don't either well i think if you if some people call it writer's block to me i think they just don't know the story they want to tell right yes. right yeah Agree a thousand i mean percent. as long as you know the story and don't sit down and start writing until you know it that's right. absolutely true yeah. right well it sounds like you're impassioned by all your subjects and you had mentioned truman capote mm-hmm. were there things about him that you learned that you thought you knew that you did not know very much really i found him very tragic yeah. um i mean yes. s- look i it was very easy for me to become truman capote in this yeah because sure. what i'm doing when i'm writing about all these right. people i'm like i'm becoming them on the it's like an actress in a role absolutely these are people i have to be able to get under inside it's your skin. version of method acting yeah basically. it is yeah. and and sometimes yeah. it doesn't work right? right i mean i have written a couple books where i realized at the end i didn't do that mm. truman was very alarmingly easy <laughs> <laughs> the cattiness of him and right, the witticisms yeah. came back. I mean, right. I love that. I have, yeah. a sh- I have an edge to my personality. But um, researching his childhood, I was... In little old Alabama. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I don't know how much time we have. I have a story about... I went to Monroeville. Mm. Mm. Oh, you did. After the book came out, I was asked to go down there to do a fundraiser for their library. <sighs> Monroeville is a very small town. Um, they lost a lot of their industry. There had been... I think it was a Vanity Fair f- factory went away. Mm-hmm. Um, lingerie. Yeah, lingerie. Yeah. So... Monroeville <coughs> is home to Harper Lee mm-hmm. and Truman Capote. Next door neighbors. Yeah. But really, when you go to Monroeville, it's only Harper Lee they talk about. Oh, really? Truman doesn't have a lot. Because he eschewed it so early in life, do you because think? Because he was homosexual, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think that, okay. I yeah. think that, and in talking to some of his relatives, I heard that when he would come back and visit and bring Lee, Lee Radziwill with them yeah. to our family reunion, Another swan. the children were not allowed to be near him. Hmm. Really? Right. And this is 30 years ago. Yeah, and we're talking about, well, yeah, that would be the 60s and 70s. But still, I but, mean, But, but know, even now to this day, yeah. I think that's why Monroeville doesn't want to claim him still to this day. He, there's a beautiful museum dedicated right. to To Kill a Mockingbird mm-hmm. and Harper Lee, and Truman has a little room, one little room devoted to Mr. Truman Capote. Mm. And it's mo- mostly about... The his stories like the thanks Thanksgiving memory the, right, the stories right. about the sweet Southern stories about his yes. aunt's, his cousin Sook and all that yeah, yes yeah. there you know and then when he went off to New York you know and he wrote you know I mean look uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's yep. mm-hmm. it, the book the yeah. character is obviously homosexual right, right? right I mean so then he became Truman Capote and um, I think I think I I have to think I don't understand why they don't embrace him. Yeah. So anyway, learning that, learning all that made me see what his childhood had to have been like. <coughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know, Truman was always different. Yeah. Um, and and very, you know, never tried to hide who he was, right. you know, which I think is very admirable of him yeah. in that time period. And uh, knowing that his mother and his father both basically abandoned him and his mother even when he went, I mean, even when she sent for him to come live with her when he was right. about, what, like 10 mm-hmm. years old? So, like, mm-hmm. the first part of his life, he didn't live with his parents, mm-hmm. was with these cousins. Yeah. And then she re- rejected him strongly uh, for wow. his homosexuality. Tried to get it, send him to military school, yep. you know, to butch him up, you know? Mm. She could never, wow. ever. So, that, all that knowing his really damaged childhood yeah. sure. of not being wanted yeah. Yeah. or accepted for who he is. Right. Um, I think that propelled him then to be larger than life, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he had to make his mark on the world. He had to make his mark, and that lovely story, and it's in the book about him twirling around mm-hmm. in a Christmas parade because he thought right. his parents were going to be there to see him, right. and they weren't, and it yeah. just right. made him be the very best little star in the whole Christmas parade just right. to make up for the fact that well, yeah. he didn't have anyone there. 
that made me sympathize with him yeah. a lot. I think Gerald Clark did a great job on his biography. Uh, I love it's it. probably going to be the the authoritative of one course it ever, is. Right? I think Don't it you is. Think? Yeah. I know there's lots of them out there that are trying to do that. No, his is. That was a very uh, a strong resource for me, mm-hmm. as well as Conversations with Capote. Oh yeah, that was great too. Which is Absolutely. wonderful. Like little in his own words. It's so yeah, genius. yeah, yeah. And the people who knew him, and just that's where you get the real mm-hmm. dirt. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the a lot of the real dirt there. here. We exactly. <laughs> we have uncovered a lot of dirt in the last half hour. We're just about. Oh, we are not. We are. But I want to end with one question, and that is tying back to the book what is one trait all the swans have one trait that all one the common swans trait yeah um fear terror you know okay that's an answer i was not expecting very interesting and i have a question upon that question how yeah. do you think they would think about the me too movement what would they think about the role of women today well, you know i think they would be like women of their generation and they they wouldn't understand the me too moment i mean, I mean if they were was, young now oh if they were yeah. young now oh i think if they were young now they'd be like women today don't okay. you i, I hope so i yeah. would hope I like so. To think so i hope they wouldn't be like a kardashian i mean i think right. they would be <laughs> and we live <laughs> in kardashian nation I mean, so. because in a lot of ways these women were kind of the yeah. first real housewives they right? were yeah, they except, were except except that they they were very it was a curated presence it wasn't like they weren't letting absolutely the camera see the yeah. mess and the fighting and the drama right. Right. but i think they were women of a generation where, yeah, I mean, you know, Bill Paley certainly was an awful lot like Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. I think you could yeah. safely yeah. say. Yeah, and that was just business as usual. Yeah, business, yeah. yeah this, oh, this is you know, this is the way men behave. Yes. And I'm sure all these women at some point had to had to have been victims, of course, of of some kind of sexual assault yeah. or inappropriateness. Yeah. Most yeah. of them were, yeah. yeah. Even in the working world, as yeah. you yeah. know. Well, when Babe was uh, a fashion editor at right. Harper's, I yeah. think yeah. she was. Yes, of course, oh, totally. absolutely. Yeah. Which was run by men and Carmel Snow, but there were a lot of a men. A lot of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of nest. I mean, yeah. you know, men, yeah. men, men, men. Okay. You know? Question <laughs> upon the question upon the question. Okay. How do you like with the era of which you wrote? How did your writing style? Did it change? Did it? Compared to how you usually write, because if you look at literature of that era, because I collect vintage magazines, mm-hmm. so if you look at mm-hmm. a ladies' ladies' home journal short story, for instance, uh-huh. the 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 writing from the female point of view and about females is really different than sure. what we know today. Did any of that influence you? Um, not that okay. I will say. I mean, every book does. You know, the style of every book is a little different. Mm-hmm, I. Yeah. My first vision for this book, and I sat down and I wrote the first two chapters, and they are as they are. And it was that fairy tale quality of mm-hmm. it. Yes, right. Uh, that the glittering lights, the, the nightclubs, yeah, the, the and, and just the beginning of the book where it's kind of this beautiful little right. fairy tale about right. Truman uh, seeing these swans mm-hmm. and wanting mm-hmm. to follow them and be part of them. Right. That so I thought I always conceived it with a fairy tale quality. Okay. And so that is what I th- hope. That's what came out in the. It, I think my writing in that particular novel is a little bit more lyrical. Yes. A little bit more dreamlike. Mm-hmm. In I mean, certainly there's some depending on who you're talking about because all sure. the Bill Paley passages are very, you know, yeah. right. very, very uh, to the point, direct. Yeah. Yep. You know, like a man, yep. or like <laughs> he was. Um, yeah, yeah. And but the rest of it has a kind of I think a dreamlike yeah. quality. That's what influenced it. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for offering your talents And we to hope the, the next world. time you're in Texas, you'll come on again. Because oh we gosh. only have scratched so the surface of the number of stories we can talk about. It's so great to know Melanie Benjamin. I know, oh, it really well, is. Well, you can come to Chicago, too. Oh, you're yeah. the person, first person we'll we're calling. We'll be the first person we yeah. call. Yeah, I hope I get back. I really, really wish I had more time to spend in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Texas, so we're all over. Yeah. So, well, I'm well, Lance I'm Avery Morgan signing off. And I'm Rob Giardinelli signing off.
off from the McNay Museum in San Antonio, Texas on Success with Style, reminding you that great style starts by having a unique point of view. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>